0: Hey everyone. Welcome back to the Longevity Muscle Podcast. I'm Kenny, your host, and today we have a really special guest for you. Three-time world champion and two-time Mr. Universe, all by the age of 26. In other words, this man is the myth of natural bodybuilding. Some of you may have not even heard of him because he doesn't have much of an online presence, but for the OGs in this industry, you already know. He's an undefeated pro-natural bodybuilder, We're going as far back as the early 2000s with this one, The Great Rob Hope. This is a two-part episode packed with stories from his competitive days. He reveals his training, his nutritional strategies, all the good stuff. Can't wait to share it with you all. So without further ado, we're going to get right into the episode. Enjoy. Uh, This is truly an honor. Obviously, you are someone I really wanted to have on the show Given your history, given your experiences within natural bodybuilding, and I would love to just start this episode off with just breaking down some of that history. So from my understanding, because there's not too much of you on the web, right? You got a few videos on YouTube, maybe and I don't even think there's any written interviews. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Um, I don't think there are. It's all no. magazines, magazines mm. and I guess just people that know me from the gym. And just my sort of bodybuilding journey. And that, right. Yeah, in terms of like, you know, being sort of an online presence and stuff, not so much. Old school pictures and that's about it. Are those the WMBF magazines from back in the day? Yeah, yeah. So there was, um, I think it was Natural Bodybuilding and Fitness. And also there was a magazine over here in the UK. I don't know if it's still going. It was called The Beef Magazine. It was kind of okay. like a small sort of bodybuilding mag. Um, so I'm in a couple of articles in that as well. Uh, Man, but amazing. before that would have just been like natural bodybuilding and fitness so that would be the WNBF mag and okay. then other than that it's just like forums you know the old school forums that you know i don't even know if they exist anymore um no, they it. do
0: actually they yeah? do i i um it's funny you mentioned that i was just on the forums to see what's good and there's some posts that were made about you specifically from back like 2006 2005 okay. so i was I was reading through those, uh, and yeah, those are fun to go down memory lane. There, they're just talking about your contest history, and and uh, usually it's like a photo. Is this guy natural? Do you guys think this guy's natural? You know how it is, right? Yeah, so yeah. So that's yeah. <laughs> that's everybody at the top level of natural bodybuilding. That's the common thing in the forums, right? Yeah, of course. But, yeah. So let's dive in. So we're talking about uh, from when I think about your history and what I've gathered. We're talking three World Championship titles before the age of 26. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Dang, man, that might you might be the one and only. You might be the one and only. So break that down. How'd that come about? Like, you started training, you started competing. How old were you when that started, for you specifically? Um, I was probably about
1: 13 or 14 when I started training. So I was quite okay. young. Um, but I wasn't training like... Basically, I was training to just get abs, get arms, you know, for the girls, right? Yes. So, you know, I wasn't really – I never had the bodybuilding sort of journey in my sights. You know, I was just training to get in shape. Um, and it kind of started out with – so my older brother, he had a weight set, um, and he didn't really use it that much. Um, and I found this – I don't know if you can see this stuff. Can you see this? Yes. This, I don't know if you've ever seen this. This is like old, old. I don't know how old this stuff is, but he had um, this wheeler weight set, and he had basically images like this. You know, no, no instruction whatsoever. Just pictures of this is the old school guys. You know, uh, Steve Reeves, Reg Park, those kind of guys. And it literally had these kind of little images of these guys doing movements, and you kind of had to make it up yourself, right? So that's kind of how I, I started. And all of those exercises are just free weights, bars, dumbbells, very basic stuff. Um, and that's kind of how I started off training. And I just kind of – it was just something I enjoyed doing. Um, and mm. I was into a, a lot of other sports. So I played rugby. Um, I did judo, football, um, hockey, you name it, athletics. Um, and, you know, weight training was always something that I did sort of – in addition to those – um, and I just got more and more into it. And I guess through my early teens, because I didn't really train in a proper gym, I first started training at home, right? Um, so it was literally this two dumbbells, a bar. I don't even think I had a proper bench. It was like a makeshift bench that we kind of put together at home. And I didn't really go into my first proper gym until I was at college. I was probably about 17, right? And um, you know, we we all started training there, and it was just this kind of. I did more kind of circuit training back then. I wasn't just doing out and out weightlifting, um, and it was kind of just between us guys that train there. There was always this sort of competitive nature. You know, we'd always be trying to outdo each other, um, trying to outlift each other, or outsprint each other, or whatever. So we were always kind of, you know, competing with with each other from from the early days. And even back then, I started getting comments from people saying, "Oh, you know, you've got really good physique." good genetics, et etc. et cetera. You should do bodybuilding. And I was like, man, I'm not about that. I'm not about putting the oil on. I'm not about the trunks. It's just, you know, it's not something I want yeah. to do, right? For I had sure. no, no interest in it. Um, but I kept getting these comments more and more and more. Um, and then when I went to university, um, so I was about probably, must have been 18, um, I consider that the first proper gym that I started using. So we had a uni gym. Um, And they had, you know, proper equipment, you know, proper leg press. Because my gym at college, it was very basic. Um, Mm. It was in like a – it was in a container, basically. And it was – again, it was freeways, but there weren't many machines, um, no proper leg press, that type of thing. So when I got to uni, um, there was a couple of bigger guys there. And at this point, I'd kind of been training and starting to take things a bit more seriously. Um, And just like from quite a young age as well, I was kind of interested in nutrition – so I would always be reading up. Um, I think I've still got a couple of books that I took from school. Right, from we had like a, a class called food technology, and it was all about just you know food and whatnot. But there were various nutrition books, and you know they broke things down into tables with macros, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I've still got some of those books from back in the day. And I think I was just naturally interested in it, from interested in it from then, and I kind of. As I started training more and more, I was like, you know, I want to I wanna get more results from this. So I was looking at, you know, my food, what I'm eating, um, you know, what's in the, the different food types. And I started just, you know, learning and reading and, you know, preparing stuff. But all the while I had no kind of aspiration to to compete. So anyway, I've got to my uni gym and there was a couple of bigger guys there. And we still had that kind of, I guess, um, that rivalry between us as much as we were really good friends. Um, and there was another guy there by the name of Chris Sebuga. Um, I don't know if you heard of him, but he's um, he's another natural bodybuilder that's come out of the UK, heavyweight, um, fantastic physique. Um, he's a really big guy. I think he's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, um, so me and him became really good friends. Um, and it actually turned out, so he was a doorman, so he used to work on the nightclubs in the local area where I used to go. And um, I would always see this guy, and he was huge, right? And I was like, this guy's Jack, man. So I'm in my uni gym now, and he walks into the gym. And I guess we kind of just – because we knew each other from – him noticed me going into the clubs. I noticed him in the gym, and we kind of – we didn't train together, but we trained with each other, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, and there was a couple of other guys in the gym – um, and we were all trying to outdo each other. Um, how old were you at this point? I was probably, this was probably between sort of, uh, so I started unit at 18. So this was probably between 18 and 20. Okay. Um, Chris was, Chris was a bit older than me. Um, and then there was a couple of other guys in the same gym. Um, obviously there was, you know, your regular gym goers, but I guess there was a handful of us that I'd say were, I guess you could call us bodybuilders or powerlifters. There was probably about maybe eight of us. Um, right.
0: Did you? Uh, just curious because you're with the story. Were you, so you were already com- training. You were already training for about four or five years on your own yeah. before you started in in the, uh, w- in the with this the yeah, gym, yeah. in the in the I big gym the big there. Gym, yeah. yeah, in the big gym, and then so we're talking like now maybe six years of competing or that time frame by the time you won all those world championship titles so you you really built like a really impressive physique before the age of like what 22 23
1: yeah yeah so i mean when i think back what i what i used to do so before like before i ever competed or before i even wanted to compete um when i got old enough we started going on we call them lads holidays right so like, I, I like you guys, um, you're in Canada, right? But you'll be familiar with spring break, right? Yes. Where everyone goes goes away for spring break, gets drunk, parties, all that stuff, right? So yes, yes. I guess from the age of about, so we have a similar kind of culture, right? So, you know, teenagers, as soon as they get old enough, they go over to Spain or somewhere in Europe. Yeah. Two weeks of partying, right? So I used to do that from probably about the age of, I don't know, 16, so I used to, I didn't drink a lot, but I was I've never a big drinker, but I used to go and party, and obviously, I was training, and what I kind of did, as I was getting more and more into my training, every time I would go on one of these holidays with my friends, I would do a diet, so I'd work out, and I'd try different things every year, and I would do 10 weeks, or eight weeks, or, you know, different, mm. different things I'd experiment, right, and I guess without knowing it, I was kind of almost trying out these different approaches to putting on size and cutting down, pretty much the same as what I would do in my competitive years, albeit I had less knowledge, but I was trying these different things out, and in a way, I was kind of getting ready to be a bodybuilder without knowing it, because every year, I'd, I'd do a, you know, a bulk, and then I'd cut down, and I tried different diet every year, different types of cardio, different foods, all of that, and I probably did that for because I didn't compete until I was 22. So okay, that was my first contest.
0: So was that the contest where you went to the? That couldn't have been. Oh, hold on. So that was the BMBF, correct? When you competed. No, no, in the no. Food? So
1: the first the first contest I did was with a federation called the AMB. Ah. Oh. So okay. I think some of the other guys that you've had on may have told you about that. So guys yes. like um, Lee Williams, Lee came, I think, from the A&B, uh, Mark Oaks, all those guys. Um, right. So That's, basically uh, what happened. Is that your generation, by the way? Yeah, yeah. So I competed. I never competed with Lee, but I competed with Mark um, okay. a couple of times. Um, who else have you had on? I think it's only Mark that you've had on that I've competed with.
0: Yeah, Mark, uh, David Mark K Coates. is younger than you, so he was, I think, more so Dave's, one yeah, of your inspirations. Dave, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played
1: Dave quite well. Um, so Dave kind of was kind of coming up as I was just kind of tailing off. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I did these kind of holiday diets, if you want to call them that. And yeah. then, you know, all the while I was getting these comments, you should, you should compete, you should compete. I didn't really want to compete. I didn't really know much about it, to be honest. And then – Chris, the, the big guy at the uni gym, he yeah. ended up. I think they had this. Um, they had this crazy like contest in the nightclub because aside from the doorman, there was two dancers that worked there, two male dancers, and they were pretty big guys as well. And one of them also turned out to be a natural bodybuilder. His name was Charles Bur- Burton. So he used to compete with the A and B. Um, anyway, they had this crazy contest in the, the club. It wasn't really a serious thing. It was kind of a bit of a a joke, but these guys, you know, they got oiled up, they had their trunks on, all of this in the nightclub, right? And I think that's how Chris found out about the natural scene because Charles was the first guy we kind of knew about competing naturally. Um, and he talked Chris into competing. Oh. And Chris was doing quite well. Chris started off with the A and B. Um, and me being quite competitive, I was like, man, I think I can beat this guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was kind of what spurred me into actually trying it.
0: Um, wow. That's so, so I kind fl- of that's... just
1: thought, let me try and compete. And uh, Chris competed as a heavyweight. I was a middleweight or a lightweight. Um, but, you know, we'd, you know, we'd slug it out in the gym with each other, trying to outlift each other and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, yeah, let's do the same on stage. Sure, um, yeah. And that was kind of where it all started. Um, and, yeah, I came second in my first Show and I didn't really think. I mean, I thought I would do okay, but I didn't have an idea of sort of how I had no other than Chris and the guys around me. It was like a small group of us. I didn't have any kind of reference point to see what you know other people on the natural bodybuilding scene were like and how good I needed to
0: be. You know, so you never thought like, oh, I'm gonna be a world champion at that point, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Okay.
1: Um, I mean, I didn't even because I I could have competed as a junior, right? Um, but the guys said there was Chris, and then there was a couple of other guys in the gym. Um, and they were like, just go straight into the men's class. Mm. Um, they were like, don't bother doing the juniors; it's not worth it. Um, they said, you know, you've got enough size, so I just went straight into the men's class, and yeah, I got second. And I qualified for the British finals that year with the A&B. And then I went up to the, the finals. I got beat by Mark Oates that year. Mm. Um, so that was my first year of contest. And then after that, I then did contests with the BNBF and the A&B um, the following year. And that was when I got my pro card. But I didn't actually win. So I won the British with the A and B the following year. I think that was that middleweight, but I don't think I won the, over- I didn't win the overall. I got beaten by a guy called Mike Williams. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of Mike. He was another great bodybuilder. He's sadly passed away some years ago. Oh, that's the um, UK specifically. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah, UK. Um, I'm still Mike, learning Mike. about the UK scene, that's why. I'm still learning about oh, the UK okay. scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, more yeah, familiar yeah. with the, the US, right? Of course, given my, of course, where yeah. I'm from. Yeah, so the- Canada, U- right? Yeah, well, that's where I'm from. I'm from Toronto, right? And now I'm in Amsterdam. Yeah. But yeah, that's, okay. uh, yeah. Cool. So so you're throwing these names out and I'm like, now I'm going to go search them all because yeah, it sounds yeah, like yeah. these were these were top competitors uh, in your time, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Mike was really good. Um, he competed, I think, almost mainly with the A&B. Um, so Mike beat me that year. And then in parallel to that, I started competing with the BNBF, which is when I found out about those guys. Okay. Um, so I did a, I won my qualifier there. And I'm just trying to think how it went down now. So I won my qualifier and I won the overall. And then I went to the British finals. And this was like where I guess we could have, I could have had the chance to get my pro card. Um, So I went up to the British finals and I wasn't that experienced at this point because I'm only like my second year in. Um, So what I did, I kind of dieted really, really hard for my, for my qualifier, which I won. And I wasn't very strategic, so after my qualifier, I was like, okay, I'll relax a bit. And I kind of went off the rails, like from the diet side of things. I thought, yeah, I'll just, you know, have like a couple of couple of cheat meals. That turned into like a week yeah, ah. of just, just going crazy. And um, you know, you get, you get this, for me personally, you get, you know, if you get it in really good condition, um, and then you go off a bit. It's very, very hard to to come back from that. You can come back, but you never really get that same crispness and that same look. It it, it almost takes me a good few months for my body to settle and oh. um, you know kind of reset almost. Um, because I guess you know you diet really hard, you eat really, really clean, and then you might have this period where you just go and basically binge and eat a bunch of stuff that isn't ideal for you and then you try and switch it up again and go straight back into a diet and it's like putting diesel in your petrol car right <laughs> so um anyway got to the BMF, uh, finals and it was kind of between myself well me and my another guy called john harris another really good bodybuilder and we were kind of tipped to the sort of the favorites um in the middleweight class. Um, hmm. And John ended up beating me, and he went on to win the overall that year. Um, Chris was also competing. I think Chris won the heavyweight class. Um, so I didn't actually win the BMBF finals. Um, and
0: you were twenty. I was twenty-three 20, at this point. Twenty-three at this point. Okay, yeah, so this yeah. is before uh, any of the uh, WMBF contests that you when you went to New York. Correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. So,
1: um, I, I know the other guys that you've had on, they've mentioned the BNBF team, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, I wasn't really aware of, you know, it was kind of like a solo pursuit, you know, doing everything on your own. Um, anyway, so I got second at the the British BNBF, and um, they invited me out as part of their team, as, a, as part of their amateur team to go out and do the Worlds in New York. Um, so, you know, I was, yeah, I was up for that because by this point, I'm all in. Um, you know, I I started, started off kind of just dipping my foot in the water, not really knowing how well I would do or, you know, how I would compare to others. And then when I got into it, I was like, man, I could actually be all right. So I just carried on. Um, so I got this invite to go out with the worlds and, um, we went out there and that was when I ended up winning the worlds as an amateur. So that was how I actually got my pro card
0: okay um, that's bmbf wmbf that was the, okay so, that's what i'm yeah, sorry yeah. i'm trying to put it all together so you went yeah, with yeah, team yeah. So, you went with uh the team the bmbf team out to new york at the time correct. and you won the overall and the middleweight class uh for yeah. the uh for the amateurs. so that was the IMBF,
1: IMBF. No, sorry, Sorry, yeah INBF
0: wmbf right it was INBF at the time yeah yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah I won so. the i won
1: the middleweight
0: and the overall got
1: my pro card Nice. And then, um, so it all happened quite quick, really, like, you know, just over two years going from, uh, maybe I'll try this thing out to getting a pro card. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm all right. I'm, I'm all right at this. So I was like, okay, let's, let's, you know, do a pro show. So the first pro show I did was the following year, 2004. Um, I did the universe for the WMBF. Um, so I actually did this one, I think, on my own in terms of, like, the team dynamic. Um, right. I think a handful of us athletes went from the UK, so it was myself. Um, there was another guy called Wes Clark. Um, he was a heavyweight. I think that might have been it. Um, but anyway, I ended up going out there. Again, not really knowing because when I went to the to the Worlds as an amateur and obviously I got to see the pros, so there was guys like Nigel Davies, Dave Gooding, um, all these guys, you'd see them on stage and it was like, how 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 do you get that good, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it's kind of like you see it and you're like, I've got to do that next year or I've, I've got to be at that level and it's hard to kind of see it in yourself. Um, so that was kind of like, just like, to me, I was like, these guys are unbeatable kind of thing you know you, you see them and you're like I can't get to that level but Ooh. I guess maybe sometimes you don't see it in yourself um so anyway I went out to Barbados that was where they held the universe the following year and they split the classes differently so I ended up being a lightweight there um but I ended up winning again the lightweight class the overall um and I was up against some other guys I think Tony, Tony Ruffin, Kareem Petaway, um, some of the guys from back in the day. And all I'd kind of seen before going out was pictures of these guys in the magazines. And you compare yourself to them and it's like, man, I'm not beating these guys. But, yeah, I did. Um, yes. So I won, um, I won the universe and then I just carried on that year, went out to the world, um in New York as a pro and I won that my first attempt Um, so I think that first year I would have been up against guys like Dave Dave Goodin Um, if I remember correctly, Eco Wilmot might have been in there Um, Ben Tennyson, so it was between myself and Ben um, for the overall so I won the lightweight Ben, another fantastic bodybuilder Um, we were up against each other in the overall I ended up beating him And then that was it for that year. 2005, I was kind of like, what do I do? Do I do multiple shows or do I do one? I ended up choosing to just do the one show. Um, So I did The Worlds that year and won it again. (laughs) Um, So I ended up – what happened that year was I think I was up against John Harris the second – that year, well, I say up against. John Harris was in, in in the lightweight class. So I think he took 2004 out, um, and then he came back 2005. So it was me, him. Um, I can't remember if Dave Gooding was competing. Um, Jim Cordova might have been up there. Wow. Um, and a bunch of other guys from the States. Um, Davey Hanna, the UK bodybuilder. We all went out in '05 and 2004. Um, so, yeah, but in the lightweight class, I ended up winning that again. And then going up against Ben again, second year running um, and beat him, got the overall again.
0: Wow. So this is when even Jim Cordova couldn't stand uh, stand a chance when you were up. At the... <laughs> no, but this is crazy, man. This is a big thing. I because... mean, they're
1: all, they're all really, all of, all of us, you know, on, on our of given course. day. Very no, good.
0: I, I'm playing fun, right? But I, the reason I yeah. say this is because you don't have as much of an online presence, so people don't. Unless they're really into the history of this and they were there even, or they've talked to people who were there, they're not going to know this, right? So that's why I'm glad of you're course, sharing yeah. this. That's why I'm yeah, glad yeah, you're sharing yeah, this because yeah. Jim Cordova was getting a lot of media exposure back then because that was he was in the states, he was yeah. he was in the WMBF. There was a lot of interviews Correct. going on, but with yourself, it's just not as well known, right? So this is this is awesome. Yeah, so I mean, keep I've, going. I've
1: never been like a kind of um, I don't know, man. I'm just not like a. I don't know how to describe it. I'm just a guy, right? I just do my thing. Yes. If you see it, you see it. If you don't, you don't. I've never been overly bothered about the whole, you know, I've done the magazines and stuff, but I'm not really like a big kind of showy guy, if you like.
0: Sure. But, you know, to be fair, I think also these guys were uh, as a profession too. some of them were trainers. So it kind of maybe helped with their businesses. Uh, You're an engineer. You're an engineer, correct?
1: I was an engineer, yeah. Um, okay. I work in I, I work in um IT now.
0: Ah, so. uh, okay. But you're you you were not in the fitness industry necessarily by profession.
1: Correct. Correct. Gotcha. Um Okay. You know, but yeah, I mean, go on. I did get qualified in that but I never used it, but that's another story. Okay. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, it's nice to get exposure and all the rest of it. Um, but it just never really it wasn't like a, it wasn't a big thing for me, right? Sure. I was kind of, and and I guess back then it was different. It wasn't, it wasn't like it is now where, you know, social media and I guess online fitness and the whole kind of fitness culture, right, is it's completely different now. Um, yeah. You know, if, you know, if, you're, if it is what you do, um, you know, there's definitely a lot of opportunities to, to monetize that and, you know, make it for part sure. of what you do, right? um For sure. so back then it was kind of like you know if you got a magazine article or you got a well there were no there were no podcasts right I remember uh, one of my friends said to me he worked in tv he was a cameraman and he says to me Rob there's this new thing coming through called podcasts maybe we should do one together and I was like man that's never gonna fly <laughs> how how wrong was I
0: that's so <laughs> man. If you started that and kept going, exactly, you would have been exactly, you would have been yeah. and a this legend. Was, in, this, was like, this was when I was competing.
1: I was like, man, nah, no one's gonna no one's gonna buy that.
0: Yeah. And I, was, that's I just went so back to training, right? Sure, sure. You um, know, it's funny because Dave Gooden uh, had a podcast too. John Hansen, these guys started one, but a lot of them started it like when it kind of not as early as when you're talking about, and maybe a little bit later, but they yeah. Or maybe around the same time, because I believe Dave is older than you, right? Dave Gooden's got, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, then they stopped it. You know, I think it's if you kind of continued it, where it would maybe progress into something uh, substantially great uh, course, from that yeah. side you of things. See but yeah, through,
1: right?
0: Yes, yeah. yes. But yeah. but yeah, continue, please, with your uh, WMBF uh, story there. So you won the overall and the yeah, yeah. lightweight. Correct, and that was the yeah. following year. So now you have two world titles. Then what happened? <clears throat> um then we went over to compete with pmba um and
1: i think i did the universe with the pmba okay in two- 2006 so that was our first time competing with those guys and i competed with them one the it must have been the lightweights and the overall um with the pmba and then that was it that was like so i ended up two universe titles, um, two world titles. Pro world titles, yeah. Pro world titles, yeah, and then the one at amateur level.
0: World title, nice. Yeah,
1: yeah, and then I didn't come back. And it wasn't like really a thing of I never had this – I never said I'm done hmm. or I never um, I never said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore or anything like that. I kind of got to the point where – so I won multiple titles um, spanning – consecutive years and I kind of I had a little bit of a negative shoulder injury um, so that was it wasn't like a major thing um, it probably I thought it was worse than it was at the time and I kind of thought to myself right I won two worlds two universes what am I going to do now am I just going to do the same thing over again because obviously you know that was that was all I did you know train, eat, sleep so dedicated um, and and I thought, man, I don't know if I want to do the same thing again next year. So I kind of said to myself, all right, I'll take a year out. Because all the – and in between this, I forgot to mention, I was powerlifting as well. Okay. Um, so I would, I would basically do a – I would do a, a contest season. So I would literally kind of – let's say, for example, I'd get ready for the world. That might be, I don't know, anywhere between 16 to 20 weeks of day do that contest, have a week off, and then I'd go straight into a routine for powerlifting, um, nice. and I started competing. There was a, well, I don't know if this still exist, but there was a federation called the British, British Drug-Free Powerlifters Association. Um, so I literally trained for powerlifting, like, straight through my off-season, going to do the powerlifting meets early in the year. And then – so it was back-to-back. Um, so it was, you know, powerlifting, bodybuilding. And, yeah, I got to that point where I'd won these titles, and I was like, should I win them again or try and win them again at least? Because obviously you've got, to, you've got to be better than you were before. Well, that was my ethos. Um, I've always had that thing where, you know, there's no, not no point, but I'd always try and be better than I was before. That was my kind of marker as to am I getting better at this? Um, so anyway, I took a year out, and in that year I went traveling to, like, Southeast Asia, Thailand, Vietnam, loads of places. And, um, yeah, I just did a load of other stuff, like, non-training related. And I kind of sat down and I said to myself, man, there's more stuff to do than just eat chicken and rice. Yes. <laughs> so I kind of, like, I ended up doing more and more traveling. I've been, like, all over Southeast Asia. I mean, don't get me wrong, I traveled a lot with the bodybuilding. I went to the Caribbean, Cayman's, New York, L.A., um but yeah with without the i guess restriction of having to
0: um eat a certain way and you know have a certain lifestyle go on so you were maybe 28 27 28 29 at this point doing all the traveling yeah yeah. The so between,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah between like so i mean i finished i did i said i did that last show you know six i was 26 and then yeah i just Went away, I think I went away 07. That was like my first sort of trip away to Southeast Asia. And then after that, I just started going to more places, Japan, Korea, Malaysia, all these places. And like outside of like bodybuilding, I'm quite a big foodie. So as much as I'll eat quite strictly, um, when I do, you know, relax or whatever, I'm quite into cooking and different cuisines. So a lot of these travels of mine were kind of almost like food pilgrimages because you'd go to all these places and try these different foods and, you know, you wouldn't have the, I don't say worry, but you wouldn't have the kind of restriction that you would if you were competing because you worry about, and you know, you can do, you could do this stuff off season. You could have that balance and and do it off season without a problem. Um, But I think, just coming away from it for a bit because I was so into it. I think just coming away from it and doing other stuff, um, I kind of just never – I never had that motivation to go back, really. Oh. Um, so, yeah, that was it. I ended up not not actively saying I'm done, but just not actively going back at the same time.
0: Right. right. So that
1: was kind of it, yeah. And I guess because I won stuff as well, there was maybe, maybe less incentive for me to – to try and do it again, if that makes sense. I know there's lots of guys, like um, Dave K, for example. He's won what eight world titles. um yeah. you know.
0: Yes, uh, six or I believe it's six, maybe seven. Yeah. Shivon
1: cunningham's won multiple.
0: That's like ten.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, for me, I'm like, what? Well, for me, at least at that time, I don't think there was anybody that had won that many at the time. I know Dave won a lot. Um but I don't I, I couldn't see myself just doing that every year right. after that. Especially like when I started doing other things. So um gotcha. but I didn't lose sort of the the way you know, the way I train the way I train now is the same as the way I train then. And the way I eat is pretty much the same. Um but I'm just a bit more relaxed in terms okay. of you
0: know. So um, you're not as lean, of course, as you typically would be in an uh, or maybe you are. Like, if, for example, in the off-season, well, you never really had an off-season, though, when you were competing technically. You competed year after year, right?
1: Well, yeah, but I did have an off-season. So, as I say, I when don't. I did my, my powerlifting, I would go up in weight, um, deliberately. Ah, okay. So, I would go up from, so I competed about probably in the low 170s, 172, 174-ish or something like that. Yeah. Um, Off-season, I would go over by about, I don't know. I've got to about 190 low 190s.
0: Um, okay. And how long was the time frame of that? Like you what, start, so you finish worlds? No, like you finish world, the world championships, and then you're yeah. not competing until the next following worlds. Would you say your weight climbed up within a span of what six months?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, like, let's say for example, the worlds I've finished, the worlds were, they used to be in like November, and I would do that contest. And then come off the back of that, start doing my powerlifting stuff. And I'd probably be up to, I guess, 13 and a half, 14 stone. That's like, what, 189 to 190 something. And I'd be up sort of at like that weight around, I guess, April, March sort of time. And then I would start dieting in. That would be when kind of I'd do my powerlifting. That was generally when the meets were, there sort of earlier on in the year. And then I sort of transition into
0: cutting down for bodybuilding. Did you feel your best around one eighty or one ninety? Sorry, like one hundred and ninety pounds. You felt your. No, you no, no. Well, in, in terms of strength. In terms of strength, how you felt uh, from a, I guess, so everyday like life standpoint, like just feeling satiated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food? No, no. So
1: strength, strength-wise, mm, yes. Strength-wise, yes. I guess general sort of well-being. Probably not because you're not as, you're not as fit. Right. You know, I'm not, I wasn't like, I wouldn't go, when I go over, I don't go like massively over and look out of shape, but I do hold a bit around my midsection. I notice my fitness isn't as good. Um, even though I do a little bit of cardio off season, um, but my fitness generally isn't good. And some of the other sports I do, they kind of suffer. Like so Mm. I'm a big motorcyclist. So I ride dirt bikes. I ride racetrack bikes. Oh cool. Um, and I ride road bikes, so I do like lots of track days, lots of off-road riding. Um, off-road riding is probably one of the most physically demanding things that I have done, um, and you need quite good cardio fitness for that. Um, and I always find, and when I'm on the racetrack as well, um, when you're heavier, it just moving around and because when you ride a motorcycle, you're very much part of the machine, the way you move. Um, the inputs you put into the the machine and all that type of stuff affects how well and how fluid you can ride. And I find when I'm heavier, it hinders. One from from a fitness perspective and just a general sort of comfort perspective, you're crouched up on a bike and try to move with the extra body fat and whatnot. It's not great. Whereas when I'm a bit lighter, I guess my strength to weight ratio is better and things, everything is just easier on a bike um it's just i do a bit of surfing as well and it's a similar kind of thing with surfing um you can just move and you're just more fluid um and obviously fitness is better as well because i'll generally be doing more cardio at that time
0: gotcha what weight was it that you did feel your best end mostly because it wasn't shredded i'm sure it wasn't in the low 170s when you were competing on a body no course. no no yeah probably about probably about what's 13 stone probably about 182
1: i think 182, 185. Okay
0: okay it's when, That's... when i'm kind of it's a happy medium for me so about 10 to 15 pounds over stage weight is probably the max that you would like yeah, to yeah. be yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean i mean I, I sometimes i'll deliberately go over that but yeah um in terms of like general sort of from an all-round perspective yeah that 10 to
0: 15 pounds over is, is good so i would love to transition if you're cool with that yeah, i wanted to dive into during your competitive years when you yeah. were leading up to the World championship titles. What was your ideal training routine, and did it change from season to season, like in order to maybe uh, improve certain aspects of your physique?
1: Um, I mean, it changed season to season in terms of bodybuilding and powerlifting. Um,
0: okay, let's stick to the bodybuilding.
1: Almost, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so. I did a four day, well. So the training I do now is almost identical to the training I did back then. Nothing's really changed. Um, So, four day split legs Monday, chest and biceps Tuesday, Wednesday off, back calves Thursday, shoulders triceps Friday. That's it. Um, And I guess training frequency has varied between three and five days. But on the whole, the overarching thing for me has been four days. I've always been a, like a four day a week kind of guy. Um, when I did my powerlifting, I would drop down to three, sometimes pre-contest I might go up to the fifth day and that would just be doing like, you know, small, small part, small body parts that might have needed some extra work or might do an extra day for arms or whatever. Um, but yeah, across the board, that, that's pretty much been how I've trained. Um, Forever, I guess. Yeah. Um, I've experimented with different things, um, but I always come back to the four-day split. Um, my training is very basic, um, and I'd say my sort of rep range is actually probably quite low compared to most.
0: So, what? Let's t- dive into that. So, were you like a higher volume kind of guy? Were you doing a lot of sets for each exercise? or were you more of a low volume kind of during typical two um, hard sets? I guess,
1: I guess it's somewhere kind of in the middle. So I would do typically I'll do like three to four sets per, so let's start from the beginning. I do three to four exercises per body part. Um, and I would do three to four sets per exercise. And then the rep range would be probably between eight to four. I don't well, often see over 10 reps. Um, I mean, there's a couple of exceptions. So things like calves, shoulders. Um, I might work in the 10 to 15 rep range, but all the compounds, you know, they're all quite low reps. Sometimes I'm even going down to doubles and singles, even now still. Um, and I've totally. always done that. Um, so that, I guess that's probably a fair bit lower than like most, what most people do and what I see most people do in the gyms. Um and yeah, I like that. I I kind of enjoyed pushing myself from. Not that I was ever like a. I've never considered. My, I wasn't a full-on proper power powerlifter. It was something I did, and it just came about because it was a byproduct of the way I trained. Um, and I enjoyed doing the powerlifting. Um, but we almost kind of. I say we. Um, me and a few other guys. Um, trained in that way, and it was almost like. Well we train quite heavy and with fairly low reps. Let's just do this powerlifting thing. It's something to do off season. Let's do it.
0: Um,
1: and my actual training is, yeah, it's not far off. Um, so my reps are fairly low.
0: Okay. So did you find that the powerlifting was an influence on the lower reps, even with the bodybuilding goals that you had? So, cause you mentioned you'd go down to sometimes doubles. I'm assuming that's very um, exercise specific though, right? Like maybe yeah, bench. Or... Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bench squats, deadlifts. Um, you know shoulder presses, that type of thing. So, I wouldn't really be doing doubles. Well, actually, sometimes I would do doubles on like bicep curls and stuff. Um, not often. Um, but it, I think the powerlifting wasn't really an influence because I didn't really get into powerlifting until a good like two years into my actual bodybuilding. So, I'd already been training um, with quite low reps. Um, it was actually, um I know some of the other guys who mentioned Vicky McCann, so she runs the BMBF, and um, when we kind of got a bit more friendly, um, she actually, I think it was her that got us into the powerlifting and it turned out that we, and so me, Vicky, Davey, Hannah, um, and a bunch of other guys from Scotland because they're all based up in Scotland. um, We all just, by coincidence happened to train in a fairly similar way. Mm. Um, So it was, you know, quite basic, moderate to low reps and yeah kind of just got into the powerlifting because of that. But yeah in terms of bodybuilding um that's what I've always done. I have experimented with different, you know, different approaches, higher reps, um, high volume, pre-exhaust, drop sets, all the rest of it, you know, you name it, I've tried it all. Um but I always kind of go back to just a basic sort of low to moderate rep range, kind of somewhere in the middle for sets and and frequency as well okay
0: and as far as like training to failure were you leaving that for just certain sets or was that something you did regularly um
1: yes and no so i mean i don't when i when we say when we talk about failure i mean i've always trained on my own pretty much i've never really had a training partner but the gyms i train in you know how it is you the guys and girls in the gym know you so you can call somebody over for a spot um, but in terms of failure, I've never trained to, well, not catastrophic failure because <laughs> we don't want that, but I've never yeah. trained to like absolute failure, right? Um, I'll train to a point where I'm not able to complete any more reps with good form. So when my form starts going, you know, that that's it for me. Um, and I may use things like forced reps if I've got a spotter, um, sometimes drop sets, but generally, um... You know, with the compound exercises, I'll go right down to sort of fairly low reps, four, okay. sometimes threes, doubles. And when I feel that, right, I'm not going to get another rep with good form or, you know, things are getting a bit wavy, I'll rack it. And that's just how I've always done it. So, yeah, I mean, it's never been like a, um, what's the word? It's never been like a, a priority massive thing to me. Like, yeah, a priority. It's never been a huge priority that I have to train to Vega. Um I think once you've got to a point where you know you're no no longer able to do something with something with good form, um you've probably stimulated the muscle enough. Sure.
0: So how mm, let me see how I might want to answer this. When did you feel like you had enough for a specific body part? Like you felt like, okay, I tax this muscle to the degree that is or that I feel is going to be most effective for the goal that I'm after, let's call it muscle growth. When did you feel like you had enough for you specifically? So like how many exercises would you do like on a typical chest day or a typical back day, for example, and uh, how many overall hard, really hard sets did it take for you to be like, okay, that's it for this workout for this body part?
1: Um, Again, it's probably quite low. probably like two
0: sets. Okay. Um, so I, I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, so let's say, for example, I'm squatting. I'll do a couple of warm-up sets, which don't really count, and then I'll go in my first set. I might do eight or ten reps, and I'll do I'll pick it with a weight, but I'm you know I'm certain that we'll get that rep range with. And then second set, I'm obviously increasing the weight each set. Second set, let's say as as I progress through my sets, I'm obviously increasing the weight and dropping the reps second set, you know, let's say I started off and I got 10, I'll increase the weight. And I do a weight that I'm pretty sure I'm going to get eight with. And then the last two sets, I'm looking at six and four. And I'm like, okay, let's put something on that I think I can get six with. But, you know, and then the same again for my very last set. And I guess the way I approach it is every workout, I try and and obviously this isn't linear, but you're always trying to increase, right? So, and I just put small increments on. Um, so I'll find the smallest weight in the gym, might be like a kilo a side or something. And I'll just add a little bit and just take baby steps. And obviously that doesn't progress linearly forever, but it's kind of been how I've approached things. Um, and obviously that you get to a point where you plateau and you might need to back off and approach it from a different angle or a different perspective or just you know do something to um invoke some kind of variation. Mm.
0: So the ten, eight, six, four were typically the hard that what you would call like the hard sets, or was it really the six, four and then no, that's no, no, you only would... the six and the four. Okay. Yeah. I <laughs> so mean So the ten and the ten and the eight were kind of like warm ups for you.
1: The ten the ten's easy, right? Yeah. The ten's always easy. The eight is i guess on a scale of one to ten. It's probably like a, I don't know, six. You know you're gonna get, you know you're gonna get the reps, kind of thing.
0: Gotcha. Um,
1: So I I guess it's it's kind of a warm up, but it's not. So if I'm, let's say for example, if I'm squatting, I'll start off maybe with a hundred kilos, or let's say I've done my warm ups. Start off with a hundred kilos, and then I might put on, I don't know, one thirty, one forty. I know I'm going to get the reps with it, but at the same time, I don't consider it a warm up because it's still a moderately heavy weight. no. And then from there, i go up to sort of the weights where you really have to kind of focus and, um, you know, make sure you're all locked in and, you know, no sloppy form and all the rest of it.
0: Okay. That makes sense. No, I like, I like hearing uh, how you did things. So when you talk about the 10 and the eight, then basically they're still hard yeah. sets but you're just you're comparing it relative to how the eight or how the six and the four felt for you that's like you're picking yeah. up some really heavy loads there so that's why you're yeah gotcha gotcha yeah the okay. 10 and 8
1: you you know you can do them but they're not like if you compare them to your to your last two sets the six and the four you know that yeah the 10 and the eight are not a walk in the park but they're kind of a like jog in the
0: park Gotcha. So they're still yeah. pretty close to failure though, for you. Like they're, they're close to the point of, or, or is it more like, mm, these are just prepping me?
1: They are kind of just prepping me. Yeah.
0: Well, I was going to say, so if you could, let's take the 10, for example, I'm curious about these details. Yeah. You might be able to get 15 if you really pushed it or grinded it out.
1: Oh yeah. I could probably crank out 20. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> that, that's what I wanted to know. Yeah. But with the six in the, or sorry, with the four, yeah, the six in the four, that's like, Almost max effort, six and four. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, gotcha. I'm
1: not going to go like, um, maybe with a spotter on, I get a couple of extra reps. Yes. I'm not. I'm not going to be going much more than sort. I'm not going to be doubling that rep range if I really, really double in. Well, gotcha. I say I'm not. You potentially could, but there's probably risk of injuring yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's where I kind of draw the line at. Have I done enough to just do what I need to do? Or do I just want to keep going and potentially cut myself? Gotcha. So there's that risk and sort of benefit scale that you have to look at.
0: Of course, especially with the uh, six and the four rep range, it's obviously much heavier loads than the 10 and the eight. Like if you were to grind out a 10, well, that's not going to be maybe. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like if you, for example, before you get to the six and the four, right. When you're, you're pyramiding up, you're doing pyramid sets, right? Like you're adding load with each, each set. The ten and the eight, uh, realistically, if you chose a load that you could that you couldn't get eleven, like you chose a load that you can only get ten, well, that's really hard still. But if you chose a load where you can only get six, I don't know what's harder. I mean, they're both pretty much max effort. Have you experimented with that, like, or did you just prefer the six and the four max effort versus the ten and the eight? I prefer the
1: six and the four. And okay. I, yeah, this 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 goes down to. This goes down to what people prefer, right? Because, you know, right. that there's that whole thing of people say, oh, that what works for me, right? And I kind of think that, obviously, everyone is different genetically and they respond slightly different to different things. But across the board, the human blueprint is pretty similar, right? So I kind of feel like if you take any training method and you apply it to any human Give them the right stimulus, give them the right nutrition, give them the right recovery. They're gonna, they're gonna make progress, right? Obviously, that progress level differs from person to person, but generally, everyone's gonna progress, right? And I think what it comes down to is what you enjoy doing as well, and that depends on like your sort of your mental approach to it and how you like to train. Um, so for me, for example, I'm sure I could probably like do loads of volume and drop my weight and do loads of reps. And I probably, you know, i probably, it probably would work. Right. But I just don't enjoy it. Mm. I don't, I mean, I've tried stuff like crazy stuff, like hundred rep sets and stuff like that. And it's just not fun for me. It's good. It's very challenging, but I, I personally prefer pushing myself in terms of low reps and heavy weight That's just my thing. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, lots of different approaches work for, would work for most people to a a decent degree. Um, And you probably only need to kind of specialize and, you know, pick out specific stuff when you maybe get to a certain point where you really want to start maximizing. Um, But yeah, it's very much, I think, for me, based on what I like doing as well.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Let's break down like a typical back day for you. Like, how did that look? So you mentioned the rep ranges. We got that down, which is great. So you kind of pyramided it yeah. up. 10, 8, 6, 4, 6, 4 were the really hard, kind of close to max effort sets. What, what did the exercise breakdown look like for you? Like, how many exercises did you do? You compared that with, I believe it was biceps, you said? Compared. Or, or sorry, um, compared. You uh, combined it. Combined oh with no no ac-
1: back no no back back and um I do back and calves. Oh yeah, back and calves. So Sorry, I do I do calves twice a week.
0: Right, um, right.
1: So back back is like very basic. It's one of my most basic workouts. So um I start off with like wide grip pull ups with weights um, four sets. Then I'll switch over. Well, I do these in different orders to be fair, but the exerciser would be wide grip pull ups four sets weighted um deadlifts for four sets again um seated low pulley rows again four sets and then i'll finish off with like a barbell rug and i do them in like because my gym's quite busy so i like to deadlift at the beginning but sometimes i end up deadlifting at the end Mm. um so it just depends on who's on what bit of equipment that's it for back four exercises pretty basic um generally four sets if i'm feeling a bit tired i might do three sets on like the pulley row or something rep ranges are all going to be 10 10 to 4 so i could do a 10 8 6 4 sometimes i'll do an 8 8 6 4 something like that um and that's it and i in terms of like variation i'll just switch it up every maybe seven or eight weeks so Rather than doing a T-bar, uh, a barbell row, I switch to a T-bar, um, and I might change the attachment on the pulley row, and I switch between wide grip pull-ups, overhand and reverse grip pull-ups with a sort of shoulder width grip. So it's very basic, really. Not too much, um, you know, no, no fancy stuff. It's Pretty basic. Yeah, no, that's with great. Mostly that's free weights as well. Yes, like most of my most of what I do is pretty much. i'd say predominantly barbells and dumbbells obviously things like legs so you know hamstrings and stuff you have to use machines um shoulders as well but yeah for the most part i just stick to dumbbells barbells bodyweight
0: exercises nice the simplicity i like that not too uh not too many fancy things going on there with just keep it basic man yeah yeah and so your goal was to get stronger in those lifts essentially, is that, was that a big thing for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not like the be all and end all, but I like pushing myself in terms of strength and obviously with strength, you see the, the size coming on. Obviously my reps are quite low, right? So some would maybe say that my reps are too low for, for growth. Um, but I guess my reps drop quite low in most of the compounds. Um, I might keep it a little bit higher in some of maybe the isolation movements. Um, but yeah, I found that that's just what I enjoy doing in terms of pushing myself. And I see that as, um, I use that as like a marker for progress, really. Um, am I getting stronger? And the size kind of follows along with that.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And do you know what's funny? Even like someone like Mark Oaks, who I spoke with, it's very... Uh, I mean, it, it varied, of course. It, there's there's small details that vary, but similar principles, if you will, you know, get stronger yeah. over time. Like it's not uh, there's no real magic secret to this that people that's want. It's you got to work that's hard. The thing, yeah,
1: and yeah, one thing's there's a secret, right? There is no yeah. secret. The secret, well, the secret is the the most I guess important thing or things. Overarching thing is consistency, and then probably nutrition and then training and the 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 two at the bottom if you put them in like a pyramid um consistency and nutrition um they kind of well the consistency thing covers both training and nutrition um and obviously then making sure that your nutrition is right you're eating the right amount and you're doing that consistently um on and off season i think a lot of people i think just do they start nailing things down, and you know, maybe tracking or just being a bit more regimented when they're getting ready for a show. And off season, they just kind of maybe forget about it. Um, whereas I've just done it all the time, off season and um, and pre contest. Okay. Because I don't know. For me, I like having a reference point because if I if I'm monitoring my progress or tracking something i like to be able to say right this is what i've done for the last few weeks is it working am i seeing any improvements obviously you know you don't see improvements week after week you get flat spots you get ups you get downs that's just the, the nature of it right but and you don't need to get too caught up in that but it's good to use it as just a reference point to see that over time that you're improving so if you look at it on, obviously, I don't I don't use graphs and stuff, but if you looked at it on a chart, the trend, it would have peaks and troughs, but over time, it would generally go up, right? And that's what you're kind of looking for. Mm. So it's kind of like a, it's just, like I said, a reference point and a, a tool that I use to just make sure I'm going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. You know who's really regimented like that as well? And I don't know if he got this from you or if that's just a natural thing for him. Uh, and he, it inspired me to to be more regimented as well when I'm not trying to just lose fat because that's the thing when you're losing fat you're going to track you're going to do you're going to be very serious and regimented. But David K is very much he was talking about how he likes to keep regimented even when he's not competing when he's yeah. in a quote unquote yeah, off season. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, so I, I think mean, there's I like advantages.
1: Yeah, I just like to do it as a you know even if I'm off season like, I'm off season now. I I say off-season. I don't compete anymore. Maybe. Hey, man, you you might grace the
0: stage, man. Come on now. I'm I'm saying off-season, yeah.
1: I I still consider this my off-season, so I'm a bit heavier now. Um, But I still track my – I don't count fats, really, but I still track – I've always just counted carbs, protein. um, And, you know, my diet's a typical sort of bodybuilder diet, so my fats generally come from, um, you know, the foods I eat, but they're not – you know, they're generally not bad fats. Um, So I've never really needed to count because my nutrition sources are fairly constant. Um, But yeah, even now I still track carbs, protein, same as I did back in the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How much muscle do you think you put on since your world championship era? Because that's a (laughs) long time. That's like, what are we talking? Over 15 years ago? Yeah. 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 Um, So, I mean,
1: I've gone up and down. So, I don't think I've really changed a huge amount. My lifts are fairly similar. Um, my size and weight is about the same as I was when I was off season back in the day. Okay. Um, but you know, I don't really feel like I carry any like additional body fat since I competed compared to what, you know how big I would get in the off season then. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've kind of – I think – Maybe because I started so young, you get to a point and you probably make most of your games when you're younger, right especially naturally and I think over time, especially when I got more serious with the competition, you kind of um, change the composition of your body right so every 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 year you diet and then you bulk or you know you go off season or whatever you want to call it, and obviously you learn more. Each year you try something, and I guess the amount of muscle you carry, to so the ratio of the amount, the amount of fat you've got improves. So you may be the same weight, but you look different. You know, you might have like an extra half a pound of muscle, or you know. Um, yes. So I think that changes over the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't feel like I've changed a huge amount since no. um,
0: it's just- the old days. like can't. But have you been, to be fair, have you been pushing the needle as much as you would have when you were competing? Like, have you been trying to really maximize everything to build muscle from, let's say 26 to now, what are you, 43 now, uh, Rob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on and off, like, so
1: um, when I stopped competing, I pretty much carried on training and eating pretty much the same. Training intensity was the same. Um... And the only real time I can say that, obviously, I'm not like as intense. So, you know, if I'm going away with friends or holiday or whatever, you know, I don't worry too much about it. If I go on holiday now, I generally won't train. Okay. Um, I'll just have the two weeks off or whatever. Sure. Um, it's no big deal. Right? No. But when I was no. when I was competing, I was kind of like a bit more. A bit more serious. I think my my approach to everything when I was competing was a lot more just focused around that because that was what I wanted to do well at. Whereas now I'm kind of like, well, if the guys are going out on the bikes, I'm out on the bikes, you know. Right. Or you know, and if I miss a workout, yeah, no big deal. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, once once in a while, it's not going to kill you, right? For sure. I say I say about that whole consistency thing that, you know, you look at, even with food, right? So let's say you eat six meals a day, and you do six clean meals a day from Monday to Friday, and then you follow the same pattern at the weekend, but you say to yourself, I have two cheat meals because I've done a good, solid, consistent week. It's probably no, no big deal, right? That's kind of how I approach food, and that's kind of how I approach training now as well.
0: Gotcha. You know, that's, uh, that's great. Those are some great words there because obviously when you're competing, you're very zoomed in on this one specific goal. And if you look at someone, I'll I'll use this example because it it kind of fits even kind of with how your experience was, but like someone like Arnold from back in the seventies, he had this run and then he he had a different goal. It was now it's acting. And then he kind of put the competing to the side and his bodybuilding wasn't the same at the same degree in the same, at the same level, but he was still training all the way through his whole life and like he still trains. Right. So it's just, I of think course. it's different, different priorities, different goals. And um, I guess it just depends on how you want to do this, because I know there's some guys, of course, as you know, that compete well into their fifties and sixties, you know, you guys, you got guys like Philip Ricardo jr. Who did. Yeah. So, but that's uh takes a lot of, um, I think, like, do you feel like there could be balance with something like that? Like real, like you mentioned, you do the traveling, you did all this other stuff where you, you were okay to just let loose a little bit. Like, do you feel that if you were still competing, giving your personality, because everybody's different, but with yeah, how yeah. you are, that you could have, you could have managed that in this, it, with the lifestyle that you're living now? That's a great I question. Don't know, man. I
1: don't man. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, for yeah. me, I was all or nothing, right?
0: Yeah. And which could be why you were arguably the greatest of all time, right? Like, no, but it's true. Like it, it, at that time in that era, that could be why, because you were so, so zoomed in on this one goal, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was like I said, it was all I did. Um, and I mean, towards the, because I, I got into the motorcycles, sort of the later half of my competition years. And I still did that. But, mm. you know, I'd go out with guys, my friends on the bikes, and I'd be like, Three, four weeks out from a show, and we'd be racing around. And a, a biker thing over here, right, is you'll we'll, we'll go out, we'll ride, and generally we'd stop off at some like biker hangout, and it would be like burgers, fries, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I'd be like three, four weeks out from a show, I'd pull out like chicken breast from under the seat of my bike or whatever. Um, and I did that for a while, and I just, yeah, but I don't know if now I could go back to. Being as strict as I was, you know, right. because I've been away from it for so long. Um, it's, it's almost like you, you know what you, you know how dedicated you were to something, and I think psychologically you think, well, if I need to be better than last time, I'm going to have to, yes, be more dedicated. But maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe you don't. I don't
0: know. Yeah, because, you don't you know, to take I did try.
1: You don't know. I did a diet last year. Um just to just for me, right? Just no reason. And um, I cut down I probably did like fifteen weeks or something. and just just because, right? And um I kept my carbs a lot higher. I think I was on like an average of about three fifty grams of carbs a day. Um and I cut right down, people were like, Are you competing again? I was like, no, man, I'm just trying this just to see if I can still do it. Um, and it was, I wasn't as, I was, well, I wasn't like cheating and stuff like that on my diet, but I wasn't as, you know, hardcore focused on, right, I've got to be at the gym at this time. I've got to eat these meals on, on the stopwatch and all the rest of it. Um, so yeah, it was interesting to do that. And I guess, cause I didn't have that kind of, that end goal of doing a competition. I was like, okay, this, this day I can maybe have a little bit more carbs or I can have a, a cheat meal when yes. I, ordinarily I wouldn't have done that. You know, like 12 weeks out, I would ordinarily cut out all cheat meals. Um, so, you know, you could just mess about with different things because you don't have that, oh, if I do this, it could mess up my, my chances Right. I'm just
0: doing it for me, right? So. so you look like you could basically step on stage at the end of that 15 weeks, would you say? Were you pretty yeah. close?
1: I could have probably done something yeah maybe nice maybe a couple more weeks but yeah
0: sure did you ever yeah. get the itch to like when you were at that point because obviously you were 15 weeks dieted yeah. in did you get the itch to maybe hmm i wonder if i uh just did a few more weeks uh maybe maybe make a <laughs> comeback
1: i didn't no i didn't i was kind of no? like no i went because i actually the year before that i went to watch a couple of contests so um when I got my pro card back in the day I could not compete as an amateur and like when I kind of became part of the BNBF team um I started helping out with like the organization of their events so I was doing a lot of judging and stuff like that um and I kind of I didn't do that for several years maybe I don't know a good five years at least anyway a couple of years back um during COVID um I did a little bit more judging and that kind of gave me a little bit of like Man, maybe I could do this again, but but then it was kind of like a one day thing. Gotcha. After, I was like, I got to the gym next day. I was like, Nah, maybe not. Right.
0: right. So no, that's, yeah, uh, that's that's yeah, understandable.
1: Some some days i some days I I feel like yeah I could do this, and then other days I'm like hmm, I don't know. I'm, hey, I'm sure I could do it, but it's just like, do I want to do it?
0: right right i was gonna say maybe when you're uh 55 60 and you yeah, you man. got not you're retired you're like hmm, i got yeah, lots yeah, of yeah. time now <laughs> of
1: course yeah maybe maybe when i'm like yeah maybe when i'm 60 i'll do, uh,
0: over 60 you be you could be like albert time, beckles man albert beckles oh, came uh, right yeah yeah, you yeah. Be, yeah yeah that's like so you never know he, man yeah he's uh that's someone who had some real longevity so with competing oh, yeah, like, on the competing side
1: yeah, yeah of course yeah yeah he's uh he he was competing well into his 60s right
0: yeah, yeah, what but you know, I I I love how you're still training. You're still living that lifestyle. That's inspiring stuff, nonetheless. Because it you don't have to. This is what I you know I find inspiring is that you don't necessarily have to be indulged in just competition in order no. to live the lifestyle of what some of these guys are doing. Aside from, or what you did right. Aside from the dieting to those extreme low low body fat levels where you're getting like strided glutes. I mean that's on another level, of course. That's yeah. That's competition, but to live the actual lifestyle, go training, be on point with your nutrition, go through cycles of, do you want to put on muscle? Maybe eat a little bit more. You want to drop some body fat, eat a little bit less. That that Everybody can do, you know? So I think uh, that's why it's inspiring to hear that you're still doing it, even though you're not competing. Like you're not just motivated specifically by competition. I was going to ask you what motivates you to continue on and go into the gym and still train hard now to this day
1: yeah I mean it's just the fact that I still love pushing myself, even though um I haven't got like an end goal in sight as such, but I just like pushing myself and getting better from myself, and also I love the fact that you can you can basically control how you look right and what you do like functionally and physically, you can just control that through your activities and your diet, and it's like you say. One day, you might say, right, I want to get a bit stronger, change the way you train, eat the right foods, eat enough of it. And then, you know, a few months down the line, right, I want to get ripped for the beach, change stuff again. And you, you, you've you, got that power at your hands to do these things, right, because it's just a case of applying it and being consistent with it and just – seeing it out because it's always just it's just a matter of time you know as long as you get these things nailed down um and keep it pretty simple don't overcomplicate things um consistency and sort of just being able to do it on a a regular basis are the key things really
0: that's awesome and you mentioned at the beginning you you held up those sheets of Paper with the yeah. old weeder magazines, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned Steve Reeves, Reg Park. Were those big inspirations for you when you first started uh, training?
1: Um,
0: or to not be so honest, much. I didn't
1: know. I didn't know. I didn't know that much about them until I found these these uh, these papers, right? And then I started reading about sort of bodybuilders from back in the day, and um, I wouldn't say they were massive inspirations, but it was, I've I've always been interested in like the history of the sport. And, okay. You know, different athletes, how they've come up, um, and then I got into reading Flex magazine, MD, all that type of stuff. There wasn't really, other than like the uh, the WMBF magazine, there wasn't a great deal of like media out there for for natural guys. Um, but yeah, I kind of just got into it from from reading Flex magazines and um, what started to become available on the forums, and I've just always just generally been interested, just been fascinated
0: by it so. right right would you say that there's any one specific person though that d- did have a big in, insp- or big influence if you will you mentioned your training partner back in university that kind yeah. of you know guided or pushed you i wouldn't say guided well maybe right kind of led you to the competition side of things but was there anybody that you can think of that was a big influence or inspiration for you specifically, or was it just a combination of many different factors?
1: I think it was just a combination of different, different people. You know, I've always looked at like different physiques. And I think you just do that as a, you know, being somebody that's interested in this sport, you read magazines, obviously it's different now, you come social media or whatever. And you look at different physiques and you gravitate towards physiques that you aspire to be like, right? Um, and it might not be the complete physique it might be parts of that physique so you know and and also the way that people train so I did read a lot of Dorian stuff back in the day and I took bits of what he did and some of his kind of principles and thought okay maybe that could work for me And you know I'd look at other guys and you know you'd read their workouts and you'd read the way they approach things I wouldn't take everything like verbatim but I would take bits of info and data from different people and I say right I'll try that and see how it works or adapt it and you know see how it goes for me see if I enjoy doing it see if I get results from it Um, and if it does I'll tweak things I've always been quite big on like finding stuff out for myself rather than saying right this guy does that I'm just going to do that I've been like, well, oh, that guy does that. Let me try that, and then let me try changing something a little bit or modifying it, and see what happens. It's quite interesting because you can, obviously, there's only so many ways you can reshape the wheel, but you can just tweak things to work for you in terms of your lifestyle, your balance, your in- injuries, whatever your sports that you do. Um, so yeah, I've always been like a quite quite open to sort of experimenting with different approaches.
0: Nice. Uh, it's a great message for those listening because yeah, like you meant like you said, oftentimes we look at someone, we like the way they look, we're inspired by them, and then we want to maybe you start to just copy what, what they're doing without even sometimes even realizing it. When in reality yeah. you should like you said, okay, is there something here I can draw? And maybe that if you put it into practice, see if it's benefiting you in any way and if not throw it away right it's not it's not working for you so you don't need that right so and uh yeah yeah, that that's a great message though um and doesn't get talked about enough and if it does it needs to be talked about more because it's so easy to get fall into that trap especially with social media right
1: yeah you don't have to like be so bound to doing things a certain way as much as i say my you know my my training and diet hasn't changed a whole lot But you don't need to – you don't have to be, like, so rigid. Nice. Um, You can have have consistency, but you can still have flexibility at the same time.
0: That's all for part one. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please share and tag us on Instagram. For those of you who don't know, Rob is now on Instagram. You can hit the link in the description, which will take you to it. Give him a follow, show some support. Please check out the at longevity muscle YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed already, please do because it does help grow the channel and the show. Also, if you haven't already, please give us a five star review if you're listening on one of the apps that allow you to do so, whether it be Spotify or iTunes. Thanks so much, and make sure to stay tuned for part two. And until next time.